0: what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 65 we still staying alive and all that jive in 2005 i'm here with michael beehive how you doing mike 2005 Whoa, whatever (laughs) what date is it what year is it motherfucker
1: if i'm so wrong what year is it uh it's 2017
0: oh shit it's 2017 i need to get that casserole out the oven i bet that's just burnt to crisps you mean that stakini? oh yeah the stichini, yeah. <laughs> oh god bunch of uh obscure <laughs> throwbacks already um so yeah this is our podcast about uncovering unexplained mysteries um but let's face it, folks, we're talking about the show Unsolved Mysteries, um, but we're not copywriting anything by saying that, so you can fuck right off if you get offended by that. <laughs> um, just kidding. No, I'm not. I just felt like I needed to... Yeah, Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, yeah. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. The cartoon. Or am I? <laughs> I don't know. How you doing, Mike? How's your week been?
1: I'm doing good. Week's been good. Um, I'm kind of dreading this art history test next week, but it shouldn't be too bad. Uh, I think that'll end up being easier than the written test uh, that I have to do for a portfolio for uh, college. Like, they make it so you have to do this writing portfolio, portfolio thing. Hmm. And then on top of that, you also have to do a timed writing thing. Which is write an essay. And I'm worried about that because I don't know what, I can't study for it, which which is really, knowing that kind of thing, it's like you can't study for it,
0: you can't prepare for it. That's awesome, though, because that means that they're, they're pretty much grading you on your attempt, they're not grading you oh, okay. on the content yeah. of...
1: Yeah, but actors. also at the same time... My handwriting sucks. I, I'm a slow writer, so I'm worried about that aspect. Oh, of I it bet my I write. bet my
0: handwriting. I'm willing to wager mine is much worse. And for anyone, for the very <laughs> like for like literally the two or three people out there where I had to send a handwritten letter to the uh, people who ordered my Dancing with Ghost CD uh, for some for whatever reason, I would send them a letter. Uh, maybe there was a miscommunication or something. They they can attest firsthand my <laughs> god awful. And I don't know what happens or what happened to me as a kid. Um, I mean, even when I was in elementary school, you know, I remember they would make you practice writing out the alphabet. Uh, and, and and I just remember it sucking even back then. So it's like it's just always sucked. I mean, God, you know, God forbid or God help me if I had to grow up in like Russia or, or China, like Russia with their Cyrillic alphabet, all those crazy uh-huh. things and shit. So, yeah, I feel you. Uh, Typing is definitely a good thing for me. Rather, I can type like a motherfucker, dude. I'm I am so I
1: can type pretty quick too. Yeah,
0: I am so fast at typing, and that's like a product of I guess the time I grew up in. Because I've been like typing on a qwerty keyboard, keyboard, keyboard uh, since I was like (laughs) cupboard nine years old. So yeah, I can. I don't even have to look at the keys or anything. I'm just like like the flash. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, my week has been all right as well, um, all the Hurricane Irma, Irma side effects are, uh, kind of dwindling away now, it's uh, like everything's kind of officially back to normal, the only thing that remains is all the tree debris on the sides of the roads that the, uh, the state hasn't come and collected yet, for some reason, I guess they're waiting or planning or something, but that's the only thing that really remains, um... I had to like rake up all the leaves and sticks and stuff in my yard and rake them into little piles and put them into trash bags because I live in the city now and you can't just take like a whole shit ton of debris and burn it in your backyard like I would my parents' house. Uh-huh. So you got to like put it in trash bags, which feels so weird putting like. You
1: can't, you don't have a yard debris can?
0: A what? Oh, a yard-, a yard debris can. Oh, it just sounded like you said a yard debris crayon. And I'm like, what the... Fuck? What kind of Swedish <laughs> word is that? I don't... Uh, no. Yard debris. No, I'm, I'm... Can. I'm not an old man yet who has an old barrel in the back where I burn all my yard debris. I haven't aged well, that. Well, I'm
1: not talking about burning. It's just a... It's something the city should provide you with, like your trash oh,
0: can. Oh, no, we don't. No, we only get a recycling uh, ca- uh, bin. Uh...
1: Well, that's lame. Considering I would, I would think you would
0: have a yard to break in. Well, you know what, Mike? We don't grow up. We don't live in hippie ass liberal Pacific Northwest (laughs) like your liberal ass does. Thanks, Obama. Uh.
1: But I think you'd, you'd appreciate it, because then you don't have to put all of the leaves and stuff in in bags. You just put them in a yard debris can, and then a yard debris truck comes by and picks it up.
0: Yeah, well, I had, to put, I had to put it in fucking individual black trash bags, and, yeah. and that was a pain in the ass. That, that's like, a pain
1: in the ass. Like, if you just had a yard
0: debris can, then you don't have to worry about that.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like the yard
0: debris can picks it up for you. I'd still have to be putting it in there. But.
1: No, but you don't have to put it in separate bags.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It sucks either way. But anyway, all that shit's over (laughs) now. Uh, I've just been working on my... First
1: world problems. Yeah, exactly. First
0: world problems, first world podcast, uh, you know. What is second world? What does third world even mean? Is a third world
1: like really undeveloped country?
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that, but there's got to be a more technical definition. Uh, folks, you knew what you were getting into when you listened to this podcast. You knew that this wasn't TED talks, uh, okay? You kn- <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't know, I'm letting you know right now. Uh, we are bar- is this is
1: more like Ted Theodore
0: Logan talks than actual <laughs> TED talks. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is the Wild Stallions version of a <laughs> TED talks. Uh, we we are we are not the most intelligent individuals. But uh, we're passionate and have strong opinions. And in America, isn't that all you need? I don't know. So, um, yeah, with all that out of the way, uh, before we get on to some mysteries of the unsolved nature, uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug some shit here. Uh, We have a Patreon. If you feel this content is uh, valuable to you in a higher way than just listening to it every week, and maybe you want to throw us some, uh, some coinage here and there, Mike mainly needs it, because I think he still don't have a job, despite his trying. Well, well, now he's a little college boy. He's a little fancy college boy, uh, (laughs) doing all kinds of weird college experience. You know, you experiment in college, mainly sexually, from what I hear. So Mike's doing all that (laughs) kind of stuff. Um, But if you want to donate to us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. We have a Facebook group called Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries as well. That's where we will be doing the Q&A from, uh, is the questions posted in that group. Um, So if Mm -hmm. you have any future questions or you want to just join in on the fun that's happening. Also,
1: uh, we're going to try to find a time to do the sighting stream where we'll do a live stream of watching episodes of, of the TV show Sightings and uh empty you can...
0: promises made by mike on the podcast <laughs> empty promises I,
1: I don't think it's an empty promise it just mean i mean we just need to find time for that
0: i don't know man i think you gotta find time for it because like i will make time but you are are, are well, like i've just
1: been busy with school and stuff lately you're like a, you're I, like I... a
0: ufo sighting these days man <laughs> like you pop in and out very sporadically and then, like Bigfoot, you'll come out of the forest for the podcast on Saturday, and then right back into the forest with Mike. I don't hear anything from him the rest of the week.
1: <laughs> so, Well, that's because that you can blame my college schedule for that.
0: But Mike, I'll, I'll make the time, too. Mike, there is no college, is there? I've looked you up. You don't live with... The supposed mother of yours And yeah. stepdad There is no college Mike There is no Vancouver Washington Mike Stop with the lies What's really going on Who are you Come on man <laughs> I'm sorry I know Mike can't reveal that information on the podcast But maybe one day he will But until then we'll keep going under the assumption Of all the details that he's given us about his life so far <laughs> Uh, any fucking ways, uh, it doesn't get any less awkward than this, so if you're thinking it's going to, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, uh, the first case we're gonna be talking about is a case that, that Mike chose, and that Yeah,
1: I picked this one, it's one that I saw on the VHS rips when I first got a hold of them, and it stood out to me then, but then I, I didn't really remember the name of, of the case, or the person who went missing or was murdered, so- Or possibly murdered, so I had no idea what season it was on, and what episode, or anything like that. So, I messaged Josh about it, and then he was like, oh yeah, that's a good case. And then, I, because all I could really remember was something dealing with an oil drum. And there was some woman who was found in a lake somewhere, and then there was also an oil drum involved. So what I did... (laughs) Is I went on Google and I typed in Unsolved Mysteries oil drum. <laughs> and and, th- and this case popped up and, and I found the case that I wanted to talk about for the longest time.
0: Unsolved Mysteries oil drum, a drum <laughs> at the bottom of the ocean that I wish contained all the master tapes to the Dennis Farina revamps. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's not the case.
1: So this is the case of Debbie Wolf. The death of a woman found in a barrel at the bottom of a pond is ruled an accident, but her family believes she was murdered. I don't know how, in Blue Hades, that would be considered to be an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops! You find somebody in in a in a barrel in the bottom of a pond. How is that an accident?
0: What kind of like this? That's like Goofy or something, like from the Disney cartoon. Like like he's like trying to reshingle his roof, and he slips on a banana peel and falls hits his head on some tree branches, falls into a barrel, it seals itself up and rolls into the fucking water. That's pretty much yeah. that's pretty much the police's theory on on this. That's all they got right now.
1: So on Wednesday, December 25th, 1985, after completing her shift at the hospital, Debbie Wolf of Fayetteville, North Carolina, left work presumably heading home, according to Debbie's mother Jenny Edwards, She's quoted here. The next morning, Debbie should have been at work. She had to be at work at eight. Debbie did not go to work. Debbie did not answer her telephone. It wasn't like Debbie at all. She never missed work. Debbie's parents and a family friend named Kevin Gorton hurried over to her house an isolated cabin four miles outside of Fayetteville. Knowing that Debbie took good good care of her home and her pets, Debbie's mother was surprised by what they found. We looked around and we saw beer cans laying in the yard. Her dogs had not been fed and there was a uniform laying on the floor in the kitchen and other things thrown on the floor like maybe she took them off. Debbie's purse was also not in its usual place. Kevin found it shoved under her bed. There was also an odd message on Debbie's answering machine recorded earlier that day. A man from the hospital was calling to see how Debbie was doing. He mentioned that she had missed many days of work. This made no sense to Debbie's mother. What concerned me about his message was that he said that she had missed a lot of days at work, and she hadn't. In fact, she'd only missed a few hours at work at the time that he put the message on the answering machine. The search continued outside the cabin and around a nearby pond. There were no signs of Debbie. Debbie's mother called the sheriff's office and was told that they would investigate only after Debbie had been missing for three days. But five days passed before authorities began a full-scale search. They searched the cabin. Later that afternoon, they brought the bloodhounds out, and they could find nothing at all. And then they walked around the edge of the pond. I was there for that. Captain Jack Watts of the Cumberland County Sheriff's Department is quoted here. I think it was mentioned that they had already looked in the pond. There was no use for us to look in the pond. So I don't think we did a dive of the pond or a complete search of the pond on that day. No, we did not. I love how he had to add that at the end. You already said that earlier. <laughs> you really had to make that like that clear. No, we did not. Nope. <laughs> Jenny Edwards decided to hire her own divers. On January first, nineteen eighty-six, Kevin Gorton and another friend, Gordon Childress, returned to the pond. Both men were familiar with rescue work. Childress dragged the pond, dragged the pond, looking for evidence. According to Kevin Gorton, he's quoted here. He was in the water approximately two minutes when he called out to me and he told me that he had found what looked like a set of footprints and a drag mark. In fact, according to Gordon Childress, he found two sets of footprints pressed into the thick mud along with the drag marks. And once he went under the murky water, it wasn't long before Childress came across a body. It was inside of what looked like a burn barrel. That's a rusty 55-gallon oil drum type thing with holes in it and uh yeah uh, the, the cat isn't happy about that either <laughs> <The> <laughs> i heard that's like yeah the cat's like yep that's pretty unusual <laughs> um so they did a great job of this reenactment they actually shot it underwater and they had a guy under the water in a diving suit and snorkel goggles and stuff like that and they, I guess they had like a prop or something that they had in the barrel, and that was a pretty crazy sight, and it did a gr- great job showing what this guy would have seen, and that's that not something that you expect to see when you're, well, I mean, well, you're looking for her body, but you're not expecting to find it in an oil drum.
0: What, yeah, when the, when when unsolved mysteries go so above and beyond um, in in recreating scenes like this, the lines between reality and reenactment start to blur in my mind sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes I think I'm watching footage from like the actual event that happened, you know, in, yeah. instead of just a reenactment. And that's that's damn impressive when they're able to accomplish yeah. that.
1: And this is one of those moments: the the the, the foot just sticking out of the drum that immediately burned into my brain. Once I saw it, I was just like, wow, like that that's pretty, that's memorable. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's horrifying. It, it's just, and it's, it's definitely, it's very mysterious. No pun intended. <laughs> so the police were called to the scene. The dead woman was identified as Debbie Wolf, The coroner concluded that she had drowned. An autopsy revealed no trace of drugs, no alcohol in her system, and no signs of foul play. Kevin Gorton does not believe Debbie's death was a result of drowning. A typical coroner drowning would be eyes open, mouth open, hands and arms in a very clawed state. You know, just a fight for life, which was quite on the contrary to what Debbie was. The eyes were closed, the mouth was closed, arms were in a relaxed state, just her whole body was relaxed. She looked like she was asleep. Captain Jack Watts proposed a theory. Her dogs were running loose when the family members and the sheriff's department first met over there. Possibly she was playing with the dogs and fell in. I, I don't buy that. I, I, you might need a a, a certain uh s- sound, t- a little a certain device. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Absolutely. That that's that's.
0: That's our, that's our skeptic whistle, by the way. We blow it every time there's some skeptic. <laughs> it usually is only saved, like, a fine wine. It's usually only busted out for UFO skeptics, but this is uh, such BS that I- I'll blow it for that.
1: It totally is. She's just playing with the dogs that fell into an oil like drum. Like I'm saying, like they, the they, like, the,
0: like, they were watching too many, like, goofy <laughs> Disney cartoons, the police department there, and that was all they were able to surmise.
1: As the investigation continued, Debbie's mother said police began to deny that Debbie's body had been found inside of a barrel. Well, that's really puzzling.
0: I mean, if she, that if, would she make fell me ins- think, if she fell into that barrel, they might as well play that. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that- might as well play that sound while you're at it hope i I hope everyone knows what the fuck i'm talking about or that's gonna be like really weird just now
1: (laughs) that that's the for those who don't know that's that's goofy's signature yell
0: Which is hilarious. I, I
1: thought about doing, but I knew I would do it so terrible that I didn't even make an attempt. Oh, okay. So see, I don't mind. I don't mind I'm,
0: making an ass of myself.
1: I, but you did a great job with it, Josh. So a lot I, better than anything I would have come up with. I
0: lost my dignity, dignity, and self respect many, many, many episodes ago.
1: So the police began to deny that Debbie's body had been found inside of a barrel like that. Like I said, it's very puzzling because I'm like, <laughs> if I was. The mo- you know I was I was uh, you know the mother in that situation I would be like what the hell are you talking about? Were you involved somehow with this? Like I'd be starting think- I'd I'd be having second thoughts about the police.
0: Yeah, I mean if I was the mother in that situation, first of all I'd be like, holy shit! I'm a woman. I have boobs and a vagina. Like wow, this is crazy. <laughs> and then I would think all that stuff that you were talking about just then.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd probably think the same thing at first, but it was a hypothetical thing.
0: (laughs) Making Mike question everything now in his life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, the investigation continued, and um, I believe uh, Debbie is quoted here. I asked one of our four friends who was there, and I said, What happened? Do they have the barrel? And they said no. They decided to leave it there. They'll get it in the morning. The next day, we went back to get the barrel, and they said that the barrel was gone. All of a sudden, it didn't exist. The same barrel that had been there the night before.
0: Well, wow, that's suspicious.
1: Apparently, dogs are, are suspicious. Yeah, of I don't this know too. what
0: the fuck that is outside right <laughs> now. What the fuck? Oh, it's a cat out in front of the fucking the cat looking up at a palm tree outside (laughs) and uh the neighbor's dog apparently just does not like that fact that is species is the the
1: neighbor the neighbor's dog is like that's my palm tree damn it it's actually (laughs) can't even look at it it's actually
0: neither one of their palm trees it's in my yard so technically it's my palm tree for as long as i have this lease to this uh place (laughs) so they can both fuck off
1: So, Captain Jack Watts denies that there ever was a barrel, which is crazy. In my opinion, and opinions of some of the investigators, what appeared to be a barrel to some of the divers could have been Debbie's jacket, which may have ballooned out as she was laying at that angle in the bottom of the pond. <sighs> what? <laughs> I don't even know how. You could possibly think that
0: way. I think with the West Memphis Three, this case, and the case we we're going to talk about, I mean, this is like an overarching theme of like the month or the last two months. And it could be like titled America's Most Incompetent Police Forces, Volume One through Three. <laughs> like, <laughs> good Lord. Yeah. I, I guess so, but
1: it's just crazy t- to imagine that anybody, especially a police officer or a captain, would would be that full of shit. I mean, what are you talking about? Well, I, Jenny Edwards then recalled, uh, actually, Gordon Childress is certain of what he saw. There's no doubt in my mind, I'm 100% positive that it was an old burn barrel or something of that nature. You know, metal rusted 55-gallon type drum, That the body was in. And this is the guy who was the diver. He went under the water and saw this with his own two eyes. He'd have no reason to lie about it. And I think he'd be able to tell if it was just a ballooned up jacket. Because he's that close to it. And he's an experienced diver who's probably done a lot of other dives. And knows what he's looking for. Jenny Edwards then recalled a barrel she had seen near Debbie's cabin. I went over to the spot where the barrel was, and the barrel was gone. The indentation of the barrel was still there on the ground, but the barrel was no longer there. That that also gave me chills. Just a simple sort of little thing like that. Like when I first saw this segment, when I saw it again, it's just... That seems like a realization that... uh Uh-oh. Something bad happened. Like, this was not just a regular old you know it wasn't a goofy accident this was something happened she was put in the barrel that's the that's the only conclusion i could honestly come up with i mean because
0: all you have to do is just put yourself in in the shoes of the mother in that situation what if you or i'll just use myself example what if i went to my parents house and my dad was like, son, I have some bad news. Your mom's dead. Uh, what the fuck happened? Tell me what, you know, what are you talking about? Oh, well, we went out in the pond in the backyard and we fished a barrel out of the bottom of the pond. And it had your mom in it. And the police say it's an accident. I mean, instantly I'm yeah. like, fucking bullshit. It's an accident. I mean, there's no other explanation that would be acceptable besides murder. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's all you have to do is just put yourself in that situation, and it's pretty easy to surmise that, you know.
1: So a few months later, Jenny discovered another inconsistency. When I got a chance to examine the clothes that were on Debbie's body, I looked at them very carefully and realized that those were not Debbie's clothes. The pants were very, very much too long for Debbie. The bra cup size was three sizes too large for her, and a round size it would be two sizes too large for her. The shoes... Debbie wore a lady size 7, and these were men's size 6, which winds up being about three sizes larger. Like, that's another puzzling bit of evidence. Like, that's like, what the fuck is well, going on here? I have a question here, about that, shit? though.
0: Like, it, it, is it normal uh, for moms to know their daughter's uh, cup size on their bra? I don't know. I'm just legitimately. legitimate
1: well, I would say it probably would be, and just... Going off of uh, of just a guess, or from what I've seen on media, other, you know, TV shows and stuff like that, or movies.
0: I mean, from, like, certain videos I've seen, it's normal, but those videos are definitely not recommended to be seen (laughs) in the light (laughs) of day. (laughs) I just didn't know if it was mainstream, like, uh... What? What? You know the various websites that are out there. Are you
1: talking about the the p word, huh? Are you talk about the you talk about some. I, I don't want to comment.
0: <laughs> I really don't want to implicate myself any further in that. I just I was just you know I just posing a. question. You already did. Yeah, and it's okay. Know. You know, it's only natural. Did I did I mention that this isn't TED talks for anybody listening? Did did I said <laughs> so this is this is this is a TED Theodore Logan talks. That's what it is. That wouldn't be a bad name for a podcast, actually. That'd be kind of funny dude your mom's hot (laughs) this week we're gonna talk about all the chicks who we think are total babes (laughs) excellent
1: anyway going back to this depressing case (laughs) of uh
0: shifting tones quite murder yeah bipolar going on here debbie's family
1: became convinced that she had been murdered One of Debbie's responsibilities at work was coordinating the hospital's volunteers. According to Jenny Edwards, there was a volunteer at the hospital that wanted to become become romantically involved with Debbie. Debbie discussed this with everyone, including him, and told him that she would be his friend but nothing else. Jenny is convinced that this was the man who called Debbie the day after she disappeared, expressing concern that she'd been missing from work. Captain Watts says that the man was investigated. Well, I don't trust anything that Captain Watts does anyway. I might as well have a fucking 60-watt light bulb in his place investigating the case. Burn, bitch. Would be the same result. Anyone that the family requested that we talk to or interview, we tried to interview. Of course, through the information we received through these interviews, there was nothing there that we could use in any criminal prosecution, or there was nothing there that would indicate to us that it was a homicide. Jenny Edwards said that a volunteer had since left the area. He was investigated by the sheriff's department the night that the body was brought to the surface. However, he provided an alibi and refused to take a polygraph, so he wasn't questioned any longer. He left several days after that to go out of state. Hmm. Why did he go out of state so soon? What really happened to Debbie Wolfe? Her mother believes that she was taken hostage and then murdered. She believes that later someone returned to the pond to remove the barrel so that the death would seem accidental. There, were, there are people out there who know what happened to Debbie, and I'm hoping that they will come forward and finally say something. She was loved by very, very many people, and I think that she has a right to be put to rest finally, and I'd like to do that. And sadly, there is absolutely no updates to this case Whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I think the guy that she worked with at the hospital, and in the segment, they kind of they kind of portray him as like you know your Mm -hmm. your creeper kind of guy, your stalker. I love for some reason, like I love it in unsolved mysteries where there's the creepy weirdo guy who has the unhealthy obsession with the girl. (laughs) Like yeah. I'm not not that well, I, not that I love that that happened to them. Like the
1: one where he, you know, they think he might have spray painted a message on the on the the building next door.
0: Yeah, uh, I love you. Uh, what was her Ooh. name? I don't remember. But anyway, is it Jenny? I don't know. Sure, I love you, Jenny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, that's kind of a motif in this show. Um, the the coworker who gets obsessed or for some reason just does not like the uh the girl involved no it was Cindy oh that's right was it Cindy
1: not to be confused with Cindy j i yeah, I was going to say it was another
0: yeah i think you're right i think it is Cindy but yeah i don't know like cuz I, I guess i just like uh gawking at how pathetic the the guys are and how they're portrayed and they're always these like dark you know almost like neckbeard type weirdos you know uh <laughs> yeah and and yeah it's like just I don't know, it's just that's just interesting to me how like that that side of human nature, like uh, how someone can or,
1: or the guy who the they saw the guy who had like a beard and a trench coat and and he thought he was the guy that uh went missing and then had that just classic reaction. Right. Stuff like that. People that are just don't look like they are your normal everyday
0: well, I'm also reminded person you
1: see on the street
0: I'm also reminded of the two Mary murders segment yeah um where one of the Mary's who was murdered um was working with the, in some kind of a medical thing or something from my understanding mm-hmm. and the or maybe it as a dental sensor or something but the the new guy who started working there as Robert stack put he was a poor fit right from the start and like nobody liked him and Yeah, he started like he started like just terrorizing this Mary chick for no reason. And and he'd like go into her office and he he'd like put all her pictures facing down on her desk. And uh, he wrote, um, I think, in his calendar, one of those big spreadsheet type calendars that that lays on a Mm. desk. He wrote like death to her on a certain date, you know. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That's just
0: just fascinating to me for some for some reason, because it's just so outside like it's so dramatic, I guess you could say. It's
1: outlandish. Yeah.
0: Who who does that in real life, you know? Like nobody Well, actually sadly, women get stalked and by fucking creeps all the time. It's a sad reality of of men in their ways. Not all men, obviously, but there's a certain percentage who just you know for whatever reason didn't have the they didn't get the skills Mm -hmm. to communicate properly uh with with women so they fucking act out in all kinds of weird ways hell Mm -hmm. i could have been that kid if i hadn't got some self-esteem and you know had a sense of humor growing up and all if i you know i was i was you know overweight and rejected by females all through you know elementary junior high and most of high school and all that and uh It was only my, my music, my love of music that gave me any kind of self-esteem or self-worth. And then when I got out of high school, I lost a bunch of weight and finally became attractive to women. And then I kind of went the opposite direction with it where I, I just kind of became a man whore and I couldn't like, I couldn't like commit to one person (laughs) and it's kind of where I'm at to this very day. (laughs) Just giving you man whore, you just kind of giving you a little insight into my life, um, yeah I uh yeah anyway going back to what uh the whole premise
1: of this podcast is did that get um, a
0: little real did that get a little too real for you guys I'm sorry I apologize if I let you behind the curtain of my my life too much just then
1: (laughs) but anyway I don't really have much else to say about the Debbie Wolf case except I firmly believe she was murdered and it might not have been the stalker guy it could have been somebody else because the I, the whole burn barrel, like, on her property. How did this stalker guy, if it was the stalker guy, how did he know it was there?
0: Uh, from, like, stalking her and stuff?
1: Ugh. Yeah, possibly. But it doesn't seem like we know for sure that he actually would. He just seemed like a weird, awkward guy who the mother is just assuming
0: he was stalking her. Well, I mean, you got the voicemail like the day after to that he left. Like, why? Hey, yeah, why haven't that- up to work?
1: Well, I think no. She said that she thinks that's the guy. If I remember correctly, she thinks that it's the volunteer guy. Um, she 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 was convinced that that was the man who called Debbie the day after she disappeared.
0: In a time where there was no caller i d in a time where uh if somebody called you, it wasn't a cell phone with a screen that had a number that popped up that yeah. you could verifiably trace back to somebody else yeah it was and i you know this is something we've said before if tech- if technology had just been better a lot of times in in a lot of these cases mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these crimes would have been uh solved very quickly or the crime wouldn't have even happened in the first place, you know yeah, I kind of look at Cindy James as the kind of a prime like if technology was a little better you know that that probably would have all turned out they
1: definitely. would know if she was calling herself because it would show up on the caller id yeah. um but th- yeah uh like i said it, it could be someone that she knew because uh, when you have the whole thing that barrels on her property and it goes missing somebody who actually knows where she lives knows the location knows her personally those are most most likely people who could have done something like that. And maybe a stalker. But we don't really know for sure if it is that guy who was a co-worker. Because that just seems a lot of speculation on her mother's part. And I understand why. He does seem pretty suspicious. And he could easily be the one who killed her. Because the guy left town very soon after she, her body was discovered. So that definitely does look very suspicious.
0: Yeah, some, I don't know. you know, sometimes in these it's cases, it's a mystery. Sometimes in these cases, like uh, the, the crime will go unsolved for many years and then DNA evidence will finally kind of kick in and implicate somebody and eventually get them convicted. And it'll be some like street transient, you know, that was just mm-hmm. passing through, you know, so that that happens sometimes. And then yeah. somebody that's not even on the radar, you know, um, that happened. Um, it was a case recently on season eight. With the uh, lead singer of The Gits, that girl, uh, her name's escaping me right now, but that was actually a case I wanna cover on the podcast that I remember from my childhood, because um, like, you know, a bunch of big Seattle bands kind of rallied together after her death for a benefit yeah. show and all that. Uh, well, come to find out, um, it was just this guy, this, uh, I think Sanchez was his last name, I forget his first name. He just, he was just kind of this street transient, this drifter. Uh, who just kind of randomly killed her when she was walking home uh, one night from her friend's house. <sighs> wow, and it was no wow. there was no rhyme or reason. And that's why it took so damn long to the, catch him,
1: yeah, and those are those are the ones that are the most I mean, all murders are terrifying, but I mean, the ones where there's no explanation for it, like that's really those are really hard to stomach.
0: And that's why I feel especially, like, bad for, for females because they're a lot more, uh, they fall prey to that a lot easier because men, you know, statistically are uh, way more likely to to do some bullshit like that, and what are they going to do? They're not going to, like, pick on someone their own size. They're going to go after someone who they perceive as weaker, which is usually a woman, and, uh, you yeah, know, just, it really, really pisses me off that that's just some extra added bullshit that, that women have to deal with oh yeah In their and that upsets, day life. Me,
1: upsets me too you know that's why a lot of women they don't feel i mean not every woman feels this way but there's a lot of women who don't feel safe at all you know walking to their cars at night when they're um, leaving from work it goes and, far and stuff like that
0: almost every woman probably feels that way if they're you know yeah. leaving work late and their you know cars parked far or school
1: away. or even college
0: I mean, like, even me, you know, I, I don't feel, I mean, because of watching shows like Unsolved Mysteries, I don't feel completely safe whenever I'm walking to my, well, okay, for instance, like, my gigs, when I'm leaving my gigs, I have uh-huh. I have a cart full of gear that could be sold yeah. or some shit, pawned, and I'm, like, wheeling it to my car, and yeah, I mean, uh-huh. I, you know, I'm I'm in a semi-vulnerable state in that well, moment. Well, that's
1: one of those things to show, that's one of the lessons Unsolved Mysteries teaches you you're never
0: safe Yeah, pretty much (laughs) that's what most people have gleamed from it that's why whenever i'm loading my shit in my car i try to make like these loud grunting noises like as like kind of like a a a ritual (laughs) like a primitive way of like warding off predators i'm like as i'm like lifting my speakers into my car and i try to like do it very aggressively like (laughs) come on bitch if you're gonna come after (laughs) me come after me i'm ready for you
1: so you just do a, a, a Sylvester Stallone impression just like
0: Hur! yeah sure I come mean on, come uh, on that's that's one come of It's on, one of many people who has grunted in movies so if that's what if that's that fits you sure go for it
1: um, right. you ain't bad you ain't nothing
0: You ain't fat you ain't fat you ain't fat you ain't nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Weird how Yankee reference there, folks.
1: Moving well, that's on. A, that's a, you know, the parody of, of Michael Jackson's bad music video. And that music video is pretty bad if you watch it. Like the Michael Jackson's bad music video. Like that is such a dated music video. Yeah,
0: it's like they tried to do like the hor- the whole like short film thing with it. Have you seen the full unabridged version where he's like going yes. to school and like going to yeah. Co- yeah, and then he comes back from college and is
1: uh, and that's better though than 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 the one he did for uh like he turned into a panther or something oh
0: black or white yeah yeah that video wasn't like awful but uh i don't know man michael jackson He he went out i
1: liked his Ghosts music video that's an underrated one ghosts
0: oh yeah that was like god that one came out in like the 2000s and it had it had like so many fucking commercials i guess they were really really trying to make it be like he was really trying to top everything. I thought it was every- late 90s, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, think, I, I think it was like 2001, something like that. But I, I just remember like, man, this guy's trying really hard to like outdo Thriller and all this other kind of stuff. And
1: Yeah, but I mean, when you look at it in retrospect, it's still a pretty impressive, fun music video. Especially from a visual effects standpoint. But anyway, going back to... Uh people who get screwed or, you know, there's there's this whole sort of thing with incompetent police officers.
0: We get to Josh's pick. This would be Johnny Lee Wilson. Um You know, we just got done doing the West Memphis 3 stuff. I think we got like one more documentary to go and and, and the mm-hmm. whole theme or motif, if you haven't been keeping up with those episodes, is it's basically three boys who get uh scapegoated by the police because they feel pressured by the community to apprehend somebody and put them behind bars and avenge innocent people who are killed in a brutal way. And the same freaking thing happens to this Johnny Lee, Johnny Lee Wilson guy. And he fits kind of the profile of Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. who was in the West, a part of the West Memphis three, uh, mildly retarded those are their words, not mine. I don't or, even know if that's offensive anymore. Or the other kid
1: uh, who was interviewed in uh, the case uh, that was on uh, Netflix as Making a Murderer. There's this kid who was interviewed, and he was taken out of school, and he was he was behind developmentally and mentally, and uh, the police were able to interrogate him and get information out of him. Uh, that, And they, they got a false confession um this this and that was a fairly recent case so this is something that still goes on this shows that this happened before the west memphis 3 case like this is this happened in, in the 80s yeah so this was something that had already established itself and probably there might have been even cases before this that might not have been documented or talked about in the show because think about it, these small towns—they're like they'll oh, just pick on the the retard, you know, pick on. The, let's take the guy who isn't very smart, the guy who has the IQ of, uh, you know, a really low IQ. You take on the low IQ guy, and he doesn't know how to really stop himself from being manipulated by us, and we can easily make him an easy patsy, an easy scapegoat. Uh, for
0: whatever crime we, we might want to pin on him. Yeah, it's convenient. More than anything, you know, and it kind of shows lazy police work, if you ask me. So, well, it's not just that. I think some of them also, and this is messed up. They actually
1: don't like people like Johnny. Like they think they're troublemakers. They think that you know they don't belong in their in their culture or in their in their town, and. They find ways to get rid of them. Their way, you know, their own brand of justice. Yeah. So, so to
0: getting to the story here: on April thirteenth, nineteen eighty-six, at seven thirty p.m., firefighters were called to the home of seventy-nine-year-old Pauline Martz, where her body was found inside. She had died of smoke inhalation, but her death was no accident. It was determined that she had been bound and gagged. Her killing, having set the fire in order to suffocate her and destroy evidence of his crime. Five days later, the police picked up twenty year old mentally challenged Johnny Lee Wilson, who was a friend of Pauline's, for questioning. Uh, they use mentally challenged in the wiki here, but in Unsolved Mysteries, I swear to God, they dropped the word semi retarded like ten times in the segment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. this is
1: this is back then where retarded wasn't really considered to be as bad of a thing as it is now and and i get i get it i get why it's a negative connotation is associated with it it's been used as an insult by other people
0: yeah it became um, it became a pejorative if that's if i'm using that word correctly yeah uh, as time kind of went on in the 90s and then it kind of you know became one of those things to where well when when it was a proper way to describe somebody now it's now we've be, developed uh, this different way
1: I actually think "semi retarded" or something. It, it sounds more clinical. It doesn't. We don't. We don't change words for other stuff in the clinical uh, descriptions. Uh, but then again, they're not used as much as 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 the "retard" thing was. Um, but I admit, yeah, because of the culture I was, I've been a part of for so many years.
0: It it does have, you know, it's bad. Now the new thing on the internet is I've noticed instead of calling somebody a retard they say that they're either autistic or on the spectrum. Yes. Yeah. That's like the new version of calling somebody a retard online and uh yeah and and I think that's even worse. Yeah. Because there's a lot of
1: people with autism and there's all different types of autism and there's all different levels of it and not everyone is as socially inept as some of these other autistic Kids or people are, and not, uh, every one of them is as developmentally behind as other people are. Um, I mean,
0: you have a form of of autism. I mean, I know yeah, we've talked I mean, about Asperger's, it before.
1: But... I have Asperger's syndrome, and, and there's been people who have you know used Asperger's syndrome, you know, Aspies and stuff like that as as a uh, as a punchline, and it, it's it, you know, it, I guess it's just A new evolution uh, for things, yeah, and Edge, in terms of edge-lords. insults.
0: So edgy, making fun of these people bef- behind your keyboard. Um, well, also
1: there's more autistic autists, you know, autistic people than statistically
0: than there are mentally handicapped or mentally challenged individuals. So anyway, this guy Johnny Lee Wilson, he was 20 years old. He was friends with this Pauline Martz, uh, who was 79. Uh, maybe she was like a grandmotherly figure to him. That's all I can imagine. Um, since he was semi-retarded, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. he probably didn't see anything weird about hanging out with some 79-year-old lady, and she probably saw him as, like, a, maybe as some kind of an adoptive-type grandson or something like that, whatever. Uh, yeah. so she ends up dead, and her house set afire. Pretty brutal way to treat some someone like this, to treat an old lady, much like the West Memphis Three- Those kids who died in a very Mm -hmm. brutal way. It's kind of like the two spectrums of society that you don't want to see. You don't want to see old people brutally beaten. You don't want to see young kids brutally... It's fucked up for anything, but those two especially, kind of. So this was Mm -hmm. a very egregious crime in this town. Um, It
1: doesn't really seem to me, though, that this guy, Johnny, uh, was going to, w- would have been capable of doing that or or really would have been like he probably could have done it but like why would he well we'll it? get into that like what what is the whole motivation behind it and also what is his precedence for doing something that brutal and that calculated
0: so anyway after several hours of questioning johnny uh they obtained a confession from him even though he was not aware of which he was confessing On the day of the murder, Johnny had hung out with friends and then mowed a neighbor's lawn. His mother and grandmother picked him up and took him home. They said that Johnny had had a friend over until around 7 p.m. Afterwards, they went to the post office to mail a letter, and when returning home, they heard the sirens and drove to Pauline's house to discover it was on fire. Gary Wall, a mentally retarded friend of Johnny's, said hello to him while in front of the house and then left. However, the next day, when Gary was questioned, he told police that Johnny had confessed to tying Pauline up and leaving her in the house. However, Gary, Gary soon failed nearly all of the polygraphs he took. Police soon searched Johnny's home and found women's underwear in his bedroom. However, his family stated that it was his mother's underwear, not Pauline's. The police also found jewelry that was apparently stolen from the Mart's home. However, Johnny's grandmother said she used that jewelry for sewing. Jewelry is a hard word for me to say, by the way. Finally, they found a nearly empty gas can that they claimed was used to set the fire. So it, it, That's just like the knife thing where they,
1: they found a knife in the, ba- in the lake next to uh, Damien's house and they they said oh well that must be the murder weapon right and then this is the same kind of you know erroneous egregious stupidity uh, you know it, it, it's just like oh well there's a gas can so and that's the one they used to set the fire
0: yeah i mean that that train of uh that of that train of logic uh that's like a logical fallacy i forget the exact name of it it was a straw man argument i don't remember Uh, so anyway, after the confession, Johnny was arrested and charged with first degree murder. He was evaluated to see if he was mentally fit to stand trial. Two psychiatrists did not think he was mentally fit to stand trial. However, a court appointed psychiatrist felt he was fit to stand trial.
1: How does that even work? Like, I would think the two psychiatrists would just because of the fact that there was two to one that they're thought process and their opinion on this would win
0: out over the one guy. But apparently not. Well, they weren't court appointed apparently. And I'm sure there's some kind of rigorous bar that you have to pass to get that court appointed title. Cause we've seen how court appointed people have been so uh capable mentally in the past to just handle these cases and you know, they never fuck up or make mistakes. So this court-appointed psychiatrist felt he was fit to stand trial. He He told his attorneys that he was innocent, Johnny Lee Wilson. But the evidence was against him. His attorneys told him to plead guilty because otherwise he would be found guilty and sentenced to death. When he pleaded guilty, it was quite obvious that Johnny had no idea what he was doing. When asked why he was pleading guilty... He was responded that he did not know. Johnny said that he did not want to plead guilty to the murder charge. However, despite saying this, the judge decided to accept the plea and sentence him to life in prison. In February of 1998, Chris Brownfield, while serving time in prison for another crime, told authorities that he knew the real killer of Pauline Martz and that it was not Johnny Lee Wilson. Brownfield claimed that he and his accomplice were tipped off about the Martz' home and that she had a great amount of money inside. They broke into the house, ransacked the house, and bound and gagged Pauline. Brownfield and his accomplice then decided to burn down the house to destroy the evidence. Brownfield claims that he tried to go back into the house to save her, but it was too late. The two men then fled the scene and left Pauline to die. When the confession was made public, the town of Aurora was in shock. A billboard was created in an attempt to get more interest in the case. And this billboard reads Aurora, home of Johnny Lee Wilson, the boy in prison without a trial. Yeah. Uh, Also,
1: just to clarify, it was February of 1988, not 1998. So I know some people would be like, well, how how is that even possible? Did I say 1998? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because this aired in like 1990. Oh, shit. This episode. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I thought I said the right thing.
1: Uh, it's okay though A
0: few weeks later, it was firebombed by an unknown assailant The sign that was constructed Wow, okay, that somebody clearly is upset about well, that Well, from the previous episodes that me and Mike have done in the past uh, Small towns really don't like homemade signs uh, <laughs> This is not no. the first instance of signs or flyers being torn down or desecrated uh, by an unknown assailant Brownfield's confession was later determined by a judge to be bogus I wish I could hear the judge actually say that. <laughs> I find this judgment to be totally bogus, bogus. <laughs> and also with a caveat of it totally not being righteous, and it in <laughs> fact being heinous. Um, <laughs> I
1: can just totally imagine the judge judge being Alex Winters.
0: Then he pulls out a guitar and.
1: <laughs> diddly 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 diddly. <laughs>
0: However, Johnny's supporters believe that he is a perfect suspect in Pauline's murder, this Chris Brownfield. Not to be confused with Chris Redfield from Resident Evil. Uh, as this Chris Brownfield has killed elderly victims in a similar manner to the way she was killed. Prominent attorney D. Wampler soon took up Johnny's case. He learned that Johnny had lost his wallet shor- shortly before the murder and that the police had claimed that they had found his wallet and were able to get him to come down to the police station without his mother or grandmother. Uh. Then they began to interrogate him about Pauline's murder. They continually told Johnny that he was guilty and that they had witnesses to corroborate it. They yelled at him and aggressively interrogated him. Since Johnny had such a low mental capacity, he was unaware that he could leave whenever he wanted to. Yeah finally after they attempted to physically assault johnny he confessed what that's just am i reading that despicable. right after they that's attempted despicable. to physically assault johnny he was arrested he confessed they can't do they can't touch you when they're interrogating you can they no
1: but th- he's so
0: mentally handicapped he doesn't know as the interrogation continued, it was obvious that the deputies were feeding Johnny information about the crime which he knew nothing about. Hmm, does that sound familiar anybody? Oh, yeah. They told him that if he said what they wanted him to say, he would go home. Does that sound familiar? When he did, they instead arrested him for the murder, which Johnny could not understand. The shocking details that Wampler found in the quote-unquote confession showed that Johnny's confession was false. Former Deputy Dustin Toller began investigating Johnny's case as well and found that the evidence against Johnny was not credible. All of the evidence found at his home did not belong to Pauline. Nothing could be found that could tie Johnny to the case. One interesting piece of evidence was that, was that uh was found at Pauline's home, and it was a stun gun. Chris Brownfield had described losing a stun gun at the Mart's home and described a stun gun that was identical to the one found at the crime scene. Also, the usage of a stun gun was never released to the public. Johnny, wow. Johnny had no idea what a stun gun even was. That is clearly,
1: this is clearly a case of somebody got screwed. Johnny got screwed.
0: On May 8th, 1989, Wampler attempted to get Johnny an actual trial, but a judge denied it claiming uh, that Johnny was competent during his confession and Brownfield was not a reliable witness. How, but the semi-retarded he, kid he is, you know, he's totally he's totally he's fine. Competent. He's competent. <laughs> In September of 1990, his appeal for a new trial was denied again. But we do mm-hmm. have some updates to this case. As years passed, the case continued to fall apart. One of the witnesses, Gary Wall, recanted his testimony, the one that said Johnny confessed to the Mm -hmm. murder to him. In September of 1995, Missouri Governor Mel Carnahan reviewed the case and granted Johnny Lee Wilson a pardon, exonerated of all charges. Nice. So this is one of those rare final appeal cases where he actually did
1: eventually get released.
0: The governor concluded that the police had fed Johnny information about Pauline's murder and that his confession was false. Johnny was released after serving nearly nine years in prison and was finally reunited with his mother and grandmother. As of 2017, he still lives with his mother and continues to mow lawns. He states that he is not bitter about the wrongful conviction and has happily moved on with his life pauline's real killer is believed to be chris brownfield however he was never charged with her murder i think he did it oh yeah
1: i think it's totally. absolutely uh it, it's it's just, there's so many there's a lot of smoking guns there i don't even think it's I, there's no doubt in my mind that chris brownfield brownfield did it uh the stun gun that was the one that really was like okay like that that should just be enough I mean, and and on top it. of the
0: fact that he's done similar things before to similar yeah. elderly women. I mean, it's, it, 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 you know,
1: <laughs> it, all of these things add up and they point to Chris Brownfield.
0: Although I don't and I don't he's understand. He's a real shithead. Like, I don't understand why these guys, like, they're already in prison. Like, why are they digging themselves into a deeper hole unless they finally develop some kind of a conscience while in prison?
1: Well, some of them might be able to get a lower... Some of them might think that maybe they can get their sentence reduced if they reveal information.
0: Yeah, I mean, this wasn't even an Alfred plea. This was a straight-up exoneration. So, I mean, hopefully Johnny sued, you know, the the state of Missouri, you know, and got some compensation for the fact that it, yeah. And you know the sad thing is, is like, yeah, he spent you know eight or nine years behind bars. West Memphis Three spent double that, you know. Yeah, that's so.
1: well. Also, look at this. It's also another case that happened in the South. On oh, the South, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Well, yeah,
0: Missouri in the tolerant, open-minded South.
1: <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not saying that all of these type of cases happen in the South. I don't know. but A lot of them have. I don't know
0: if I consider Missouri the South, honestly. Missouri is more Midwest, uh, like mid- middle, well, Midwest, heartland, okay,
1: Midwest, heartland, like Arkansas.
0: Now Arkansas is the South. <laughs> know your map, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, gang. I don't
1: know my map, so Let- I'll just admit that.
0: <laughs> that's uh, kind of sad, Mike. So self-centered, you only know about your damn areas.
1: Well, I know where things are, but I don't I don't really know the what's south, what's west, well, what's east, what's except like New York and New Hampshire or or
0: like I couldn't I, I couldn't tell you um the state that's like to the right of Washington, what is it like uh is it is it uh, Idaho?
1: Think so? <laughs> God, you don't even know
0: that. <laughs> that's your fucking state. You should, I at least know the states that are around my state. Yeah, yeah, it, it's Idaho you okay now we're moving on to uh we haven't done this be somebody we haven't be a hoe okay (laughs) we haven't done this in a while uh this is a fan q a uh again you can post a question if you are a a a patreon supporter uh your question will go to the top of the list but uh Mm -hmm. no no one asks any questions on there Uh, you're totally uh neglecting your rights there patreon uh supporters but that's cool whatever you want to do Um, Or you can join our Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries Facebook group, which is what these fine people have done. And uh, in usual fashion, uh, we'll go back and forth here with the questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I'll just take the first one here. Uh, This question comes from Elliot Wilcox. No, Willox. Elliot Willox. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be a lot of mispronouncing of names and fucking up of sentences here, by the way, because that's just how me and Mike roll. Um, His question is, which segment scared you most as a child? Uh, he says, when I was a kid, I used to watch this show with my grandparents. Again, grandparents always being the ones who have to expose kids to this. They have to put the fear of God in these kids. Uh, he would watch the show with his grandparents, and they lived on a farm close to a highway. He doesn't remember which segment it was, but it was the one about a killer who drove down the highway and killed people. That would be a lot of segments on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. said, I didn't sleep for weeks. P.S. Which grandparents think it was an appropriate show for a sixteen year old to watch. Well It's
1: like why did why did grandparents think this was an appropriate show for a six year old to watch?
0: Yeah, well that that is that that is a question, but apparently most of them did feel like it was okay because I, I swear all like eighty percent of the people who are around our age who got turned on to this show it was it was their grandparents. Um so he says which segment scared me most as a child? Um I would say Resurrection Mary uh, was was at the top of the list for me that scared me the most and um allagash I didn't see Allagash as a kid though that's a thing okay uh, as a child as an adult Allagash yeah um but as a, as a child from what I can remember um uh Resurrection Mary and and mystery hum the mystery hum segment huh. because huh. it was so creepy to me that these people were hearing this humming sound and they could not find the source of it. And it was not it was not a physiological thing. It wasn't their body mm-hmm. making the noise. They were hearing a low frequency hum that never went away, and nobody else could hear it or kno- knew where it was coming from. That scared the shit because I, being the hypochondriac I am, I thought that that could happen to me. and I would hear a mystery hum. and yeah, I started actually focusing on like low frequency sounds around me and i kind of got obsessed with it for a little bit like i was always like listening like do i hear something that other people don't you know and i was mm-hmm. some such a paranoid fuck <laughs> well for me i only I, I. it's hard
1: for me to remember all of the segments i saw as a kid um i know one for sure definitely did freak me out and it was the uh one of the first ghost segments, the one that's on the box set, but it's not on Amazon for some reason. The one with the guy with the funny yell.
0: Oh, you talking about... Oh, Tallman? Uh, Tallman House. Ghost.
1: The Tallman House uh, hauntings. That one stuck with me.
0: Yeah, that one's Um
1: funny. That one freaked me out uh, when I was a kid. And uh, the Blind River Killer. I, I remember that, and, and that guy is just... Fucking psychopath. It looks like Rucker Hauer on Crack Cocaine and just brutally breaking into this old couple's motorhome. They're just parking at a rest stop at night and this psycho just breaks in and shoots shoots them. And he looks creepy too. So yeah, yeah, that that one definitely did make an impression on me as a kid.
0: All right, Mike, you got the next one.
1: What would be the perfect celebrity casting for your favorite I mean, segment? You can say
0: who who posed the question.
1: Uh, that would be Emma Johnston, and I, I apologize for being a dunce and not remembering to now put say now put out that you're the one who uh,
0: put out a lit cigarette on yourself for penance. And-
1: <laughs> so I apologize, Emma. Uh, What would be the perfect celebrity casting for your favorite segment? You know, I don't really want celebrities, you know, really well-known celebrities. I'm fine with the casting the way it is in, in my favorite segments. I can't really think of a lot of things to change. I think that would end up hurting the overall feel and uh
0: take you out of enjoyment you know it take you uh, of
1: of the show yeah it would yeah
0: because you know i we all know who matthew mcconaughey is now and and whenever Mm -hmm. i watch the um edward bell segment now where the pervert you know who's flashing children you know i seeing a young matthew mcconaughey mowing the lawn i mean even though he did a great job and it's still a terrifying segment that's still like hard for me to watch it does take you out of it a little bit Cheryl Hines was in one episode who plays um, Cheryl David and Your Enthusiasm, which is like you. You you also had uh, Stephanie Weir, who was from Mad TV, who was in another one. Yeah, and like kind of like you're watching the segment, and then all of a sudden you see somebody, a celebrity that you recognize. It's like ah, this is I'm watching a a a show, a segment. You know, these are actors. This is fake. It it, it ruins the illusion. Yeah, it was a good question though. I mean, I'm sure other people. It it is a good question. It's just I. I
1: really can't think of any celebrities I'd want to cast. And for example, the Algalache abductions—I don't, I don't want to cast NBLs. And a lot of these segments that I really
0: like—they casted the real people. Yeah. So, how are you going to beat that? All right. Moving on to our next question here. From uh, I'm going to fuck this name up, so just I'm just sorry throwing that out there. Uh, Jamil Campbell, Campbell Pompey uh when was the first time you watched unsolved mysteries or your earliest memory of it um was it rerun or first run for me uh it was i'm i want to say it was the first run i want to say it was on nbc uh my grandma from massachusetts i've told a story a few times but it bears repeating for any new listeners um she would come down from massachusetts and she would always watch the show I don't know how she found out about it. They kind of marketed the show, I think, towards an older audience just in general because, you know, the drama is kind of almost soap opera without the cheese and the shittiness of soap operas. So my grandma would come down from Massachusetts. My earliest memory was uh, sitting on the uh, living room floor, kind of... Well, they call it crisscross applesauce now, but I was sitting Indian-style on the floor uh, watching... Uh, yeah, just watching the show, and my grandma just sitting in a chair behind me and, and just just watching it. Then later on, my... My more competent memories of the show was uh, when it was re-airing on Lifetime. I was a little bit older. I was you know ten, eleven years old. Um, I used to love watching it. The uh, reruns on Lifetime with my mm-hmm. with my cousin at his house.
1: Yeah. Uh, I know for sure I did not watch a first run unless it was a first run on Lifetime because there there were some seasons uh, that aired on Lifetime. But I don't know for sure whether that was the case or not. But I know I saw the show on Lifetime. I know that for a fact. I did not watch it on NBC. And I didn't even know it really was on NBC until I I did more research later. Like, oh, it was on NBC. And it was also on CBS. And Virginia Madsen was a co-host in in a couple seasons. Okay. News to me. (laughs) Um... But uh, yeah, my earliest memory of it is watching it on uh, a reruns on Lifetime with my grandmother, with my mom, or my aunt, and uh, I, I just remember stuff like the crop circles segment and and ghosts, uh, the the tall men ghost, and and the and, and stuff that we talked about on the podcast already, like the one about this guy who might have faked his own death, but might not have. And I, I remember the image of, of a burnt-up car in a field. So, um, and, and some fraud segments stood out to me as well. So, um, yeah, it, it, it it's, I don't remember specifically what the episode was, uh, you know, when it comes to my earliest memory of it, but
0: those are some of the memories I had. All right, Mike, you get read the next one.
1: The next question is from Diana Standen. Uh, she she asks, uh, "With this reboot, what is a must? What should the reboot do to stand out from the other true crime shows?" That's another question from Joy Holly Thornton. She
0: kind of had to tag the question because, like Di- Diana, it. literally just wrote, "What is must." Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, mustiness is a smell Perhaps from an attic uh, It could be me after this podcast From sitting down for so long um, uh-huh. Some mustiness could occur there yeah. But speaking of what is a must uh, what, what We've kind of talked about this before But
1: I would say When it comes to If they do a reboot A must is You have to Find a way to recapture The, the vibe of the original show uh, less is more in some instances well in, in a lot of instances when it comes to Unsolved Mysteries don't try to make it modernized don't try to make it hip and cool with the kids um, and don't really try to make it like all the other generic true crime shows that are on the true crime networks and, and stuff like that already Like maintain Unsolved Mysteries unique identity And it's going to be incredibly difficult to do that without Robert Stack. So, I mean, that's the main sort of thing that I I just, I don't really know how they're really going to be able to pull that off. Um, I feel Robert Stack is irreplaceable. We've already seen that with Dennis Farina. And I I don't hate Dennis Farina as a person or as an actor, but he just wasn't the right fit for Unsolved Mysteries. And I I don't even know who else they could even... Lance Armstrong should be cool, you know, Peter Weller and stuff, but you don't really know how they're going to... Or Robert Patrick, somebody brought up Robert Patrick, and and I think that's a cool uh, a choice as well. But I don't really know how they're going to fill stacked shoes I think Keith, or, I think Keith, or how uh, they're going to be their own...
0: I think Keith Morris from uh, Investigation Discovery, from um, di- like the Dateline uh, shows and stuff. Yeah, that old, old white guy. Who, I mean, he he uh-huh. looks like he's ninety years old, but he's got he's got a very creepy voice. Got a great voice. He's got a you yeah. Know. But yeah, dude, ro- we could. I mean, f- fucking Robert Stack, man. I mean, you just you just yeah, you know, you just can't. You just can't replace him. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> not only was he the, the face of Unsolved Mysteries, but he na- he narrated the segments. He was the voice. Yeah, I mean, he narrated those segments. He wasn't just the guy in the trench coat in front of the camera at the beginning of the show. He narrated all those episodes. So all throughout the show, you get Robert Stack's inflections. You get Robert Stack's, the timber of his voice. I The mean, personality. I mean, the personality. Everything that is inherent about... The delivery, I mean, geez, man, it's just like uh, it's like what would Richard Pryor, the comedian, be without Richard Pryor's brain? It would be a guy who looked and sounded like Richard Pryor, but it's the kind of his whole what makes him great just isn't there. That's kind of I feel like it would be about the new
1: and and also with the new show if they do a reboot, like I don't want them to try too hard to be nostalgic either. I think that could backfire badly, especially if they don't do it justice. I mean, if you want to if you want to do it, do it right and be respectful to this to the past and and also bring back the score, bring back the creepy synth music that's kind of in any way with stuff like Stranger Things. So you can definitely bring that back and you should don't have some generic theme song, bring back the actual theme song and uh also try to do try to get people who are actually involved with these cases do the reenactments try to do things uh don't add c g i and stuff don't do the color filter just don't do the let's flip the camera on it on its side okay okay and I then think make we get it the black point, and white and all that <laughs> stuff
0: i know it's just if you go through every single thing you don't want to see this is gonna it could be a three-hour long podcast
1: no i i was almost done okay i i, I was just saying just when i said earlier less is more yeah
0: no i think that that sums it up perfectly uh diana also goes on to ask how young would you let kids watch the show like i guess what how how young should honestly man like i i wouldn't let i wouldn't let a young kid watch i wouldn't let a kid Like when I first watched the show, how old I was, I wouldn't, I would never let my, if I had a kid, I would never let my kid watch the show at the same age I was. I mean, they'd have to, I I was desensitized at a young age. It's affected me in in, in incalculable ways. Uh, I am, I could quite potentially have a lot of my like anxiety and social kind of weirdnesses and my OCD tics and all that. That could quite possibly be from all. Just all the shit I consumed at too young of an age. So I would I would say when the kid's much older, honestly, like maybe tween, teen, something like that.
1: Yeah, that that's my thoughts as well. 10 or 12, 12, 14.
0: All right, so we got one here from uh, Shelly Watson. Um, comment on the new Unsolved Mysteries podcast, perhaps. It's you. Sorry if you already have, I'm behind on episodes. Um, that, you know, we, we, we just talked about that. I'm a
1: little bit behind on episodes two. I I know they just released uh, episodes two and three. I'm probably going to binge listen to those later tonight. Um, I thought the first episode was great. And they're like we said in some other, in another podcast, they, the two ladies have great chemistry with each other. They're very funny. They have a different structure with their podcast than we do, but it's also similar in the way that it it's a lot of banter and a lot of stuff like that. Um, but they go in and what they do in a lot of ways is they review each episode, so they'll go in and watch an episode, and they they're going off of the Amazon Prime episode. Yeah, that's the twist so that
0: makes theirs kind of different than ours. Is 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 where we're picking segments that we just want to talk about or request from our listeners. Uh, they're just going, um, just you know, itemized down the list. Uh, which would probably be great for a lot of people who are just jumping on the Amazon Prime train because it's like, oh, yeah. you can't can't wait for them to get to episode ten of season two or you know because they they know what they know exactly what's yeah. coming up down the pike you know which is something mm-hmm. you don't know with our podcast I mean how we don't know sometimes <laughs> until like the day of so yeah all right Mike you get the next one
1: let me get a drink of water real oh, quick okay.
0: choking on all the emotion I I hear. <laughs> <laughs> mike's very very sensitive i mean even 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 questions with no emotional attachment whatsoever can get him upset sometimes so just bear with him
1: yeah i get very for climp anyway uh this is a question from shelly watson no it's all actually this is a different question <laughs> Holy shit! this is Mike. why
0: sorry <laughs> you get a
1: you get a d too many questions <laughs> too many questions uh this is from Andrew Dodge. He says, uh, "Besides Dennis Farina, who is a person interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries that you've hated the most?" Well, I know Josh. One of Josh's answers is Mike Morris.
0: Yeah, that's my answer. Old,
1: old Moon Pie face. Yeah,
0: old Moon Pie. That um, that is really that that is the first and probably only person who. Okay, him. Mike Morris is is a number one for me. He just came off as so fucking unlikable, and I just wanted to slap his that face so hard i still do it just looks like <laughs> such a slappable face and that that also comes from the two and then his voice too yeah yeah like i i don't know why the the phone just rang and rang it it, it never went to voicemail but but that's what happened and uh i don't know why you got to res- <laughs> you got respect that he's implementing the Robert stack WH though the why yeah. we, you know you gotta, I respect uh-huh. that but that's about it and then uh reminds me
1: does he, is it because he reminds you of Hank Hill is that, is that why you're
0: I'll tell you what, I don't know why that uh kept ringing and ringing but I was trying to call Peggy and uh, she wouldn't answer the phone and I didn't want to take their damn polygraph because I didn't think that their machinery could compensate for all the medications I was on for my anxiety at the time I tell you what um the only other person that i didn't like on the show i wouldn't well i okay i'll say hatred uh would be um what's that fucker's name the backyard bone segment oh uh leonard rizzo leonard rizzo uh that guy seemed like a skis bag and a half and he Mm -hmm. was as we found out because he went off after monica went quote-unquote missing and her fucking bones were found in the backyard. He went on to like beat his next girlfriend in some trailer, and he ended up like dying or killing himself or something. Yeah. So those are the two yeah. people I've hated from the well, show. Well,
1: for me, it, it's skeptics. I don't know what their names are, but most of them I hate because they're. I, I really think a lot of them are are not nearly as smart as they think they are, and they come across as smug and arrogant, and it's annoying. Another and the other one is the people like what you were saying, like the Rizzo guy. And there's other people that have been interviewed, too, who come across as if they're all innocent and act like nothing is bad. And then you find out later that they've been lying to your face the whole time and they're a rapist or they're a murderer or or whatever. I hate those those kind of people. Well, I I hate that anyway. I, I hate people, you know, sociopaths are not only terrifying to me, but they're very hateable.
0: All right, our next question comes from Brian Bradley. I, I like every time he comments because his profile picture is a little Lego face. So I, it's like, hey, <laughs> a little, little, little Lego little
1: head. Lego, yeah. all right.
0: He asks, uh, you get one wish. Do you choose A, you prove to the world Bigfoot exists, B, all expenses paid trip with Robert Stack in Vegas, or C, $200,000 cash tax-free? Uh well the Bigfoot thing, I could give a fuck about that because I already feel like he does exist, so in my heart I know it's true. Um Jesus man. Uh the last two is a toss-up though. Yeah. Oh Oh, god. All expense paid weekend weekend, so it's only two days with Robert Stack.
1: But it's two days with Robert Stack.
0: or $200,000 cash-free or cash tax-free and no Robert Stack. Oh, man, you know, just for
1: where I'm at in my life right now. If if Robert Stack is in Vegas, maybe you could take some money and go to Vegas. No, no, you can't do anything like
0: that. You you can't (laughs) do that with these kind of things. It's all or nothing.
1: Would you rather? With the way
0: my life is going right now, um, you know, I, I... there are some big goals in my life that I would like to accomplish that would be, that would give me long lasting happiness and $200,000 cash tax free would really help to fuel those goals and dreams of mine. And as awesome as it would be to meet Robert Stack, I'd have to go with C the $200,000 cash because Mm -hmm. there, you know, I could buy a house, you know, pay that bitch off to where I don't have a payment for it. I could, yeah. Then take the rest of the money and fuel my music career and YouTube career uh-huh. and, and achieve lifelong happiness rather than an, a damn great memory with Robert Stack, as awesome as that would be. The second thing would kind of give me enough uh, stuff to go on yeah. to last a, you know, a lifetime, well, potentially.
1: Okay. Well... For me, a I don't care. I don't really. Uh, Bigfoot might have existed, might not have. If he did, I, if if Bigfoot existed or big feet existed, I, I don't think they're around anymore, so it doesn't matter. B an all expenses paid weekend trip with Robert Stack in Vegas, uh, that sounds really tempting. Um, in in my situation right now, I I don't really have as much going on, but at the same time. i I do have student loans and things like that and and my my heart wants to go with robert stack to vegas but my brain is telling me take the two hundred thousand dollars because then i can get my own place i can also maybe improve my youtube career because i can actually like do stuff like oh i can do green screen and stuff and have a, a nice camera and And really go all all out with that kind of thing. Dude, I would love
0: to see your channel if you were able to do stuff like that. Like, I I would love to see what kind of creative shit you would come up with if you had access to all those things.
1: And I I would. I'd totally put stuff in the background, and and I do a lot of stuff, and I I just don't have the space, and I don't have the money, and I I just don't have the ability to do that kind of stuff. Also, with whole copyright stuff, that's pretty frustrating and, and cripples creativity. But I'd have to take the $200,000. I mean, I could easily pay off the student loans. I don't have to keep going back. I could just be like, "Ah, I got $200,000. I don't have to keep taking these classes. And it would also help fund whatever independent books I might want to write and get published. So that that would be a big boon for me. But man, it would be awesome to, to go to Vegas with Robert Stack.
0: All right, Mike, the next one's yours.
1: This is from Eric Varga. He says, uh, "Would you rather see an Unsolved Mysteries reboot on network TV, cable, or a streaming service like Netflix? Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Uh, that's the uh, knockoff Netflix <laughs> uh, from Russia. The Netflix. Uh, anyway, in, uh, in net
0: with Netflix, it watches you. <laughs>
1: okay, Yakov. Uh, I would say Netflix or Hulu. There's more flexibility with that."
0: Well, we've already seen from the... I mean, if I had to choose specifically, I'd say Netflix specifically because... Or
1: Amazon, (laughs) because Amazon is the one that's been doing it.
0: Well, just from the letter that... Well, that's in the B-roll, I believe, but you'll hear the letter that Netflix sent to uh, somebody who tried streaming Stranger Things in their bar or whatever. Uh,
1: Well, no, they didn't stream it. They made a bar themed around Stranger Things.
0: Okay, well, whatever. So, Netflix just seems like a really cool, like... Place that's run by cool people who understand mm-hmm. that artists need to be given the free reins to do their art, and they know that their audience is uh, looking for specific things. It's they're they're not necessarily catering to uh, everybody like network TV has to, like a a, a, a mm-hmm. network television show on NBC, for instance they have to cater to the lowest common denominator because that's the volume of people who are watching their their television shows on their network. So they have to make all these compromises artistically left and right. And yes, Unsolved Mysteries initially aired on NBC, but that was a different time, a different era, a different place. Nowadays, that shit would be booed off the stage if they tried to put the revamp on A network television channel like nbc or cbs or something like that it would have to it would have to do something like a netflix for it to work in my opinion yeah i agree all right this next question comes from john northcote he asked do you have a favorite ghost episode and if so which one and he spells favorite f-a-v-o-u-r-i-t so he's either from canada or england um yeah, uh, favorite ghost episode probably off the top of my head would be the Black Hope Curse. Yeah, that
1: that's that's pretty uh, near the top of my list as well. But I would have to say the Entity is also. I I might give that my my number one because that's another one that I remember watching when I was a kid and and stu- and really did stick with me. Yeah, and uh, the, the specifically the shot of the light bulb lighting on fire like that just really burned itself mm, into my memory that's
0: not the entity that is um that that is the lake wales haunting you're thinking of
1: oh lake wales
0: haunting yeah the entity was my bad. The en- entity was the three the- texans who lived in the house and they it made a lot of noise oh. and stuff <laughs> I, i'm not a nerd or anything
1: <laughs> um now black Ho- i thought they called it the entity on the t on the on the box set
0: no the entity yeah no the entity was the uh the 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 Texas, the three Texans with the ranch house, the uh, Lake Wales haunting was the one. That
1: one's good too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the ghost episodes are good. Well, a lot is a. Some of them are, are are not. Yeah, but um. Especially the later ones, but yeah. Yeah,
0: but the Black Hope Curse, which was a later one, uh, that just uh, ro- that's a rare exception. Robert Stack's narration <laughs> was fantastic. The interviewers, interviewees, they actually, I, I mm-hmm. mean, to say. Uh, the interviewees were fantastic. The old couples, yeah. uh, they 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 weren't actors, but man, they could deliver some lines. And I'm sure the the producer helped them along with you know delivering the lines. I mean, like one of the lines gets brought to mind with the the old ladies talking about, um, you know, say uh, a pair of shoes being moved from her closet to uh, the graves that, in their backyard, and then she goes, but uh she goes but unfortunately that's not where the story ends and then it goes on to, and it's just i don't know it's just little subtleties Mm -hmm. like that to where that really just was a great ghost segment um i mean just the idea of this as they put it in the show this bucolic suburban paradise you know Uh where these families are buying these these houses on these lush green lawns and then underneath, it, it, it's uh, it, it's it's like
1: Poltergeist. It's a real life uh, version of the movie Poltergeist. Yeah,
0: there's these graves. You only move the headstones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it, it, and on top of everything else, it's like former you know former slaves. Like it's a it's in and it was called yeah. the Black Hope Cemetery, and they built it was forgotten about. There, there's
1: a there's a decent book based on that, and uh, there's a movie called Grave Secrets that. I'd recommend a TV movie you should uh, check out sometime. Yeah, so
0: that's that, that's, that's my favorite one. Then Mike's is uh, Lake Wales Haunting, which, which in all honesty, uh, up until a few years ago, still fucking scared me to watch it, especially when the girl gets possessed and she starts laughing. That evil laugh, and the camera kind of zooms in quickly to her face like that uh-huh. scared the bejesus out of me. And then Alan, yeah. Alan Mann is just such a uh, fucking putz with his lazy eye <laughs> and his fat ass, and he's dating this six... Or he's married. I'm sorry, he married this 16 year old, and he's like 20 or something. So there's already a, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. just a lot of good stuff in that one too. So that's that's yeah. a good that's a good choice. All right, Mike, you get the next one. And it's very appropriate that you
1: this can- this is from Cody M's, and he, he asks how my toe is, and <laughs> that's um,
0: hilarious. <laughs>
1: it, it's doing really good actually. Um, I went in to the podiatrist a couple weeks ago, and. He checked it out and he was like, oh, it looks like it was fine. Uh, just just uh, give it some time. It looks like it'll grow out and be fine. And that's pretty much what's happening. It doesn't hurt at all anymore. The antibiotics killed off whatever was in there. And seems like it's going to be good. Um, I also had him check out uh, there. I had this this absolute just annoying corn on the side of my on the bottom of, of my left, my right foot. It was on the side, um, probably you know, around uh, underneath my uh, pinky toe.
0: Don't you love and how? I was wondering... Don't you love how like when someone would ask a question like that to anybody else, they just kind of laugh it off and like, oh, my toe's fine. No, Mike actually gives you an in-depth fucking answer about not only how That's... his toe is doing, <laughs> but corns and other areas of concern around his feet. <laughs> but that that's just
1: that's just how i am I, i'm i'm just a very detailed guy um but anyway i, I it's 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 kind of crazy though so what what he did is you know he cleaned it up a little bit and and shaved some stuff off but then oh. he was like oh. sorry it's just dead skin it's not it's nothing that gross.
0: so <laughs> I won't even tell anybody about the time that I stopped the podcast <laughs> right in the middle to go pop a cyst on my back. I won't even go into that story. <laughs>
1: so. No, no, that, that's even grosser. <laughs> so uh, he, he was cleaning it up and then apparently there was something, he found something in there.
0: Oh, right. It and, was a splinter or something.
1: Yeah, it was. This, it was like a piece of wood. Yeah. And I was like, Wow, okay. No wonder it was I it never got better. There's this piece of wood in there for years. So now it's actually much better and it doesn't bother me at all. So I'm glad it went there. I mean it did, not only for the confirmation that the toe was gonna be okay, and I don't wanna have to get it removed removed, the toenail removed like I had to get the toenail removed on my
0: right foot. So so if you guys ever look in the dictionary and the definition of uh, first world problems and you see a picture of Mike's toe, that's that's why. Now you know. <laughs> All right, moving on to our... But you ask and
1: you shall, rec- yep. you shall receive.
0: Yep, he's like fucking Santa Claus over here. Uh, We got another... Our next question is from Morgan Chow Gebhardt, our beloved Morgan from Canada, from Saskatoon... Sask- that's not even a Canadian accent. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan... Um. She's been with us since day one, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And her question is, um, if either one of you started a po- another podcast, what would be the content? Mike, I'll let you take the lead on that one.
1: Well, originally I was thinking about doing someone's sightings, but I'm thinking about just doing a stream sort of thing. Live live stream sort of thing with that with Josh. So, and that's a bit too similar to kind of what I'm already doing here. So, what I would love to do and and I've thought about this and I might do it is, and I've thought about doing this for YouTube and it's a series called behind the fail. And what I will, what I will do is discuss different things that, that failed like TV shows, uh, movies, uh, uh, products, toys, you know, stuff like that, you know, ideas that didn't work and, kind of give my thoughts on why it failed the history of, of the failure and, and so on. And, and maybe some of them, I could be like, you know, it's not that bad or, uh, it, it, it failed critically or financially if it was a movie, but it's not really that bad of a film or, you know, or stuff like that. And I've thought about doing, uh, episodes on stuff like the 1994 unreleased fantastic four movie that Roger Corman, only made in order for the the company that owned the rights to Fantastic Four to actually keep the rights. And it was never meant to be released in theaters. It was never meant to be seen. It, it just They made it just so this company could keep the rights, which is pretty petty. Um, the infamous sixth season of Saturday Night Live that almost completely killed the show just when it was first starting out. Uh, and I've seen that season, and it is as bad as advertised. <laughs> Thank God for Eddie Murphy, because if he didn't show up, that show would have been completely toast. So stuff like that, or or, or talk about uh, stuff like there's this old way of watching movies. A lot of people point to laser discs as a failure. That's nothing compared to something called the CED, which is a capacitance electronic disc. And what it is is like this giant plastic case that has like a record sort of thing in it. And you'd stick this giant thing in this player. It just, just, it just like if you took a DVD in the case and just shoved the DVD and the case <laughs> and everything into this player. And somehow that would work. Wow. Well, the picture quality was horrible because it's a, it was meant to be playing records. RCA made these. And they're cool to own as like a, you know, sort of a curiosity sort of thing. But in terms of a technology, that is absolutely a fail. So stuff like that.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I actually uh, tried doing this. Uh, I tried to do an additional podcast a few months ago, but it just uh, I just kind of came. Wow,
1: I didn't I did. I did not know that. Oh, you didn't. That's some weird, wild and crazy stuff. Oh,
0: my God johnny carson over here uh or no steve martin i don't know who is it i don't
1: johnny carson you had it right oh, okay first Should've time
0: changed it um yeah i tried doing a music podcast um i've always wanted to do a music podcast i could fucking geek out on some music man like and not just like
1: like me and movies yeah yeah, yeah so. i could just
0: geek out i mean especially on like some of the older bands just some of the like 90s alternative rock bands Just a lot of stuff that, that, like, you know, I like. Um, I would love to do a music podcast with, like, another music guy who's, like, just as much into music as I am. I tried Mm -hmm. doing a podcast with my friend Tom, who lives here in Jacksonville. Uh, We did one episode. Um, I have it on my computer. If somebody, if anyone has any interest in listening to it, uh, I can maybe post it somewhere. But um, so far, it's just, you know, been sitting on my computer. Uh, Then I realized that, you know, I spread myself too thin at that point because I'm doing this podcast, which I intend on doing as long as possible, as long as people keep listening. Um, And then I have my YouTube channel, which just sucks so much of my time as it is out of my life. And on top of all that, I have a band dancing with ghosts that I want to start touring soon. I want to start getting on the road and and touring some other cities, playing my music live. So there's just no way that I can do an, another podcast. But if I was, that would definitely be the content. Mm-hmm. It would be music-related, nerd talk about music. Yep. So we got a final question here from Mike Martin.
1: Yeah, good old Mike. Mike M.
0: And it's your turn to read it there, fella.
1: Yeah? Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, so so cavalier about the whole thing.
1: Uh, he, he thought he missed the Q&A uh, Nope, you didn't Just in time uh, He asked me a question He said, how do you think your life has changed after your car accident? Um, for those of you who don't know I uh, Around the Thanksgiving break A few years ago I decided that it would be a good idea To run across the street Against the light And try to catch a bus That was heading up to the stop And I didn't want to miss it Because I didn't want to be late to school and I thought some guy said, or oh, no, I didn't really think he said anything, but I thought he was waving and said that it was okay for me to go. And I, I, I interpreted that that was the case. It was not. I got hit by a car. I flew 15 feet in the air. Uh, I did a complete backflip. So in, 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 in in the air, totally in the sky, uh, I, I I look at it. When I I remember it, I look at it as... I remember it being like the sky fell. Like watching the sky fall. And landed face first on the asphalt. I busted uh, uh, my front teeth and, and it broke my nose. I was extremely lucky. That's all that happened. I didn't even get a concussion or anything. I didn't even... any No other broken bones... And I'm lucky that uh, that I'm here to hear my cat protesting. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, and also to be here uh, speaking to you, to you guys and gals on the podcast. I think it's changed in a way in terms of how I view my life and, and how I look at everything, no matter how good or bad it is, as a blessing, as something that i i i i am glad to experience something i'm glad to be here to experience it, to experience it um it is the kind of stuff when people say when something like that happens to you and and your life is you know gets threatened or or you think it's going to end it really does make you appreciate life so much more and it really does make you look at even the small things as moments that are really great and 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 they're the things that make life worth living and it it, it's it's yeah it's cliched but it's true it really is you really do learn to appreciate things a lot more
0: Some West Memphis Three shit right now.
1: Oh, West Memphis Three stuff. Yeah, I'm playing
0: the song. Okay, sorry. Uh, all that weirdness was to transition to the question that Mike asked me. He goes, uh, Josh Cannon, can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process? Uh, so my songwriting process can vary. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not limited limited to any one thing. Like some artists might sit behind a piano, or they might pick up a guitar and all their songs start that way. Um, Sometimes I'll come up with a little riff on my computer using my computer program. Other times it'll be on the guitar. Other times it'll be on the piano. Uh, I just get like a little riff idea. Um, And like a lot of times I'll just be working out, and in between sets I'll just pick up my guitar. Uh, Like the other day I came up with a riff, it was like... uh... Oh wait, no, that's not it. It's something like that. So I'll just start, I'll just like start strumming chords or I'll just like come up with like a little riff, like I don't know. Like these are all bad examples because these all suck. But um, I don't know. It'll just be like a riff like that, you know, like um... Jesus Christ. These are like the worst possible examples I could give you for my <laughs> songwriting process. But, you know, just just shit like that. I'll come up with a riff Something I feel like I can loop over and over again. And then I might come up with like a melody. I'll start humming various things and, and I, I might find a, a run of, uh, you know, that I like. Um, and then I'll just. I'll put it into my uh, computer. I'll record it and then I'll put like a drum beat behind it. And see if I can kind of envision where I hear the song going from there in my mind, you know, like, do I want this to be like a predominantly like electronic song or like a more organic, like rock and roll song? Um, Like what I want to turn into. So and then he asked uh, for both of us, if we were able to have Robert Stack on the show, what would we ask him about? I would probably Uh, want to ask him about like old school Hollywood and like how like things worked back then and um, you know like what like what interesting stories he had with the old you know timers in Hollywood because you know he knew everybody he knew he knew all those mm -hmm. celebrities and stuff Um, then I'd also ask him his like personal beliefs on like everything he talked about on the show
1: yeah yeah, that's kind of similar to what I would ask him I'd ask him are there things that you believe are just total bullshit and I'd just be total candid total, I, I would love to hear him be totally candid about it um, I, I'd also like to hear from him on things like what it was like to work with Leslie Nielsen on Airplane and and uh, how he feels about how his Job, you know the, the the fact that he's a host of unsolved mysteries is be, he's become sort of an icon for a lot of people. How he feels about that? Uh, did he see that coming? Did he see that coming? Did he did? Is he happy with that and um, Shit. stuff as well? Like um, any sort of fun stories he might want to share? And you know, I've heard he was funny. Like that the, there were people like the DP was saying that he'd crack jokes and stuff and. So I'd I love I to hear and see that side of Robert Stack.
0: Yeah, that would, yeah same, same-sies. All right, that's about all the time we got for questions. That's all the questions that have been submitted. Thank you to everybody who asked a question. Um, we are at the end now, so if you would like to check out more of me and Mike separately, but equally, uh, Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com OCP Communications. He does movie reviews. He's the movie guy um he doesn't have any wacky catchphrases though which is something i wish he would develop <laughs> like
1: they've all been taken Keep like watching. there's no... i don't know the only thing i really say is i say uh thanks for watching see you later that's really all i do yeah that's And i kind of give a salute to people again. oh yeah that's you do, do
0: do kind of a little salute thing with your fingers um You don't want to see what he does with his fingers behind the scenes, folks. It is disgusting. (laughs) God. He makes inappropriate shadow puppets at the library for children. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm running out of steam. Uh, And if you want to catch me on YouTube... Do you ever know what you're talking about? No, I don't. So (laughs) I don't know why I bring up the fact that I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Unless it's Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I'm like, I'm Rain Man. I'm like, you know... Yeah, yeah, definitely Unsolved Mysteries, definitely Leonard Rizzo, definitely The Entity, like <laughs> <Lake> Whale's Haunting. <laughs> um, uh, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash ghosts. I'm about to release a vlog about why all the bands that I grew up with fucking suck now and have gotten lazy as shit. <laughs> they, they have. They've gotten lazy as shit. The, the whole impetus behind this video idea was I watched this new Nine Inch Nails video called This Isn't The Place dude mm-hmm. it's just under five minutes the whole video is a camera zooming out from like a computer or a synthesizer module i don't even know what are the you fuck kidding it is. me that's it dude that's the whole video it's that's that's such
1: a bunch of pretentious it's bullshit.
0: lazy it's it's the laziest thing i've ever seen i got i was like and then i was like i want to do a video about how music videos suck now but i couldn't do that because Music videos honestly don't suck now. And then I really got to the core of what I was angry at and I was like my bands that I like suck now. And since so I made a video about that and it should be out by the time this podcast is released hopefully. But uh anyway, I'm uh running late to my gig now. So uh for me and Mike, we will see you guys next week. Have a good rest of your week. Stay safe. Toodaloo. See ya. What's up, guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or Bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh, If you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those? Uh, or you could just message me on Facebook and say, hey, I want a copy of your CD, and I will mail it out to you. But, uh, yeah, it's out now, and it is it is finished, and it's uh, some good stuff. So uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then, uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. Uh, music is sold online, or go to Bandcamp.com and search Dancing with Ghosts. Thank you. Firing assholes. Alright, is that the thing you're sa- that you chose to say? Yeah. Alright, that works.
1: It was from uh, Spaceballs. <clears throat> How many assholes do I have on this ship?
0: Yo. <laughs> There's a band in Jacksonville. Keep firing assholes. <laughs> There's a band in Jacksonville called Gone to Plaid. <laughs> Right, you think it's funny, but no, I, like nobody else gets the reference, you know? So it's like, you're naming your band something so damn specific that, like, very... I mean, I guess, who cares, right? But, I don't it's know. It's hard
1: to find band names because so many of them have been taken, so... Yeah,
0: yeah, like, there's, like, a Dancing with Ghosts in England, and they've just been such a pain in my fucking ass, because... <laughs> They're on Spotify as well. and it's just like when when you when you search my shit on Spotify, you have my album that comes up, but then you have this like this this like falky. Like, uh, almost like uh, like Celtic-sounding music as well. And they're also <laughs> called Dancing with Ghosts. And yeah. it's completely different. Than, I mean, honestly, for what it is, it's not bad music. But it's just completely different. It's not my music, you know? So it's just like a pain in the ass. And it's like, I've gone through so much trouble with the band name so far. It's like, I just... You know, they're not signed or anything. Neither am I. So... If 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 they ever get signed, they can have their lawyer tell me to change the name and I'll change it. Yeah. If, if I ever get big enough, then I'll send them a cease and desist letter. <laughs>
1: yeah. Did you speaking of cease and desist letters, did you see the letter Netflix sent uh, this uh, bar who were doing a Stranger Things style bar? No. What's that? A boot? It's pre- it's pre- it's pretty glorious, actually. Their, uh the uh, the letter that they sent because they were actually cool about it. Um, I got it here. Um, this is the cease and desist letter. This is how it is. Danny, dear, dear Danny and Doug, my walkie-talkie is busted, so I had to write this note instead. I heard you launched a Stranger Things pop-up bar at your Logan Square location in Chicago. I don't want you to think I'm a total wasteoid, and I love how much you guys love the show. Just wait until you see Season 2. But unless I'm living in the Upside Down, I didn't think we did a deal with you for this pop-up. You're obviously creative types, so I'm sure you can appreciate that it's important to us to have a say in how our fans encounter the worlds we build. We're not going to go full Dr. Brenner on you, but we ask that you please, number one, not extend the pop-up beyond its six-week run ending in September and number two, reach out to us for permission if you plan to do something like this again. Let me know as soon as possible that you agree to these requests. We love our fans more than anything, but you should know that the demigorg- gorgon is not always as forgiving. So please don't make us call your mom.
0: Oh, wow. Bunch of fucking millennials running Netflix. It's pretty obvious about that. With that kind but of I, I, uh, tongue-in-cheek. I
1: thought it was... Yeah, but I liked it, though, compared to what we got, what you got from John and Terry. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I got the old school, like, like 1980s, like Hollywood, you know, (laughs) I'll stomp a mud hole in your ass if you don't stop uh, with this infringing on our copyrights. I will leave you with nothing but a barrel around you for clothing and everything else will be gone.
1: (laughs) I just, that image is hilarious. Just you. And just nothing but a barrel, a barrel and a little
0: like bindle with the uh, around the stick, you know, walking down the train tracks, you know, blowing on a harmonica with this sad look on your face. Oh man! All right. Um, what what should we do first? Should, I feel. What like, do you think we should do first? Uh, all right. If you're asking me, I guess we'll go with Debbie Wolf. All right. Yeah, this Johnny Wilson case is uh very very similar to uh to what happened to Jesse Miss Kelly with the yeah. West Memphis 3, so it's pretty uh I-, I thought it was pretty crazy when I
1: Yeah, when I saw it I was like, yeah, there's a lot of similarities with that. And uh Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., yeah. I'm just seeing if there's a wiki for Debbie Wolf as well. Okay, yes, there is. All right. And then I'm going to find another one on unsolved.com. And then just sometimes they have, you know, extra sort of bits, but doesn't seem like they have a lot of extra stuff. So thank you for, well, really, I, I just, I was just like oil drum. That's all I did. It's
0: just, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, there's no unsolved.com for Johnny Lee Wilson. It's only on Wikia.
0: I sent you a, a link that had more info, but I, I don't know if I'm going to even use that link. I'll probably just u- use the Wikia. I, w-
1: I would just use the Wikia because this is a pretty long.
0: It actually like looks longer than what I think it is when I was like looking through it. It's it's not... Uh, it's not yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, but there's still portions of it that are pretty lengthy. Yeah, well, you have like... some
0: portions on you that are pretty lengthy that a compliment <laughs> i don't know just i guess take it for what it is <laughs> i guess it's all relative really <laughs> and when you did A.
1: Q&A, that that was that was a good idea
0: i get good ideas from time to time like like specifically one good idea per month does <laughs> that's your quota yep all right, was it right. episode 64, 65? I
1: think it's
0: 65. Uh Or is it 66? 666. Six, six, the number, the of, number the beast. of the beast. Sack, sacrifice is going on tonight. <laughs> I I, dude, I bought the number of the beast by Iron Maiden. I bought that album cuz you know, I was like so critically acclaimed mm-hmm. by everybody. I can't get over that fucking singing style, that operatic, Wah! like, I, I can't dig <laughs> well, it. Well, some
1: of it is great. I mean, I love Run to the Hills, and yeah. there are certain songs. Uh, it's not their best album, though, if you ask me. I I, I know a lot of people th- say that it is, but I, I think they're a better Iron Maiden albums in terms of everything on the album, because there's some songs on that album that are kind of crappy. But I haven't, he haven't just, heard it He just while.
0: sings in that style, you know, that whole album. It's just like, uh, it's, it's Yeah, it's just... 65. Okay, uh, Mr. Easily Distracted. All right, we'll jump into this then. Get this shit show on the shit road, as I say. I'm the easily distracted one. Well, I, I'd say we're both pretty <laughs> equally easily distracted. I was talking about Iron Maiden, and you're like, yeah, it is 65.
1: Yeah, 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 but that's that's all that's on, you know, because you said of that earlier, and then, you know, I wanted to double check, so you're not like, it's episode six 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 six, oh, the yeah. number of defeats, <laughs> and then it's like, uh, no, it was 65, <laughs> somebody was a little bit too excited to talk about Iron Maiden today.
0: <laughs> no no you'll never find me too excited to talk about iron maiden they're okay but i mean now if we get on like some genesis shit or some rush or some pumpkins like oh Speaking yeah Speaking
1: of genesis i saw like a crazy video there there was a have you seen or heard of this phil collins tv special he did uh i have seen it i believe yeah yeah, we're just like skits and stuff, uh-huh. and uh, Well, I... Gilbert Gottfried is in it, and then you have is that Vanessa it? Williams, and then there's the Ultimate Warrior who shows up in one skit, and is wrestling Phil Collins.
0: Oh, uh, no, I haven't seen, like, I saw excerpts from it, I haven't seen the whole thing. Um, it, That... <laughs> Is that where, like, he's calling all these celebrities, and it's like, what should Phil Collins do for a special? And they're all like, I don't know, he should just play drums, right? That's what he's good at. <laughs> and they keep trying to put him into, like, all these other situations. Yeah,
1: that might be it. Because it only aired once on uh, CBS. It was a, I think it was called, was it called Seriously? Was the, was the, yeah, it was called Seriously Phil Collins.
0: Yeah, dude, Phil Collins used to rule the universe in the 80s. was
1: 1990 1990s when it came out, though.
0: Okay, so his popularity was it kind of peaking, it's maybe slash waning at that point.
1: It's actually on YouTube in parts. That's cool.
0: I'll All just right. send it
1: to you for future... Because I, I immediately thought of you when I, when I saw a clip
0: of that. I was like, yeah, he might get a kick out of that. It's nice to know that I'm on your mind all the time. Not just when we're doing I've the podcast. I've
1: always got
0: you on my mind. There's always something there to remind me. <laughs> I love those fake right. ass drums. We should get started. Phil Collins, it looks like in this thumbnail, it looks like you sent me a video of Gary Gitchell. <laughs> 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 all right.